This is Symposium. After I finished the book, I wanted to know exactly what the truth behind that was. Krishna opens his mouth and she looks at his mouth and she sees the whole universe. If you go back and watch Friends, they never talk about politics. And it's not a big surprise, but it's kind of like, really? Like it never came up? He had to reevaluate his whole student senate and they, he straight up told them we need to reevaluate ourselves and check ourselves. Which is fascinating and wonderful in so many different ways. This week's episode of Symposium features Shelby Torak, a now-graduated senior who studied history and minored in music and historic preservation during her time as a student at Eastern Michigan University. Shelby took me through the events leading up to and following Julian Bond's commencement speech at EMU's graduation ceremony in January of 1971. So initially, when I was looking at a topic for the course, the senior seminar. I was looking at the Motown collection that we have in the library archives, but I didn't quite find enough to support a substantial paper. But I ended up stumbling across this folder with over 230 protest letters protesting the speaking of Julian Bond at a January commencement in 1971. Julian Bond was an American civil rights activist and a member of the Georgia House of Representatives. Bond helped to found the student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Following his speech at EMU, Julian Bond served as chairman of the NAACP and was a member of the Georgia Senate. They were protesting because of Julian Bond's revolutionary activities, because he was known to be involved with the Black Panthers and things like that. So those militant revolutionary activities sparked people's need to protest. People accused him of being communist. They accused him of being anarchist and anti-American. They protested also because of his involvement in the W.E.B. Du Bois clubs and the Students for Democratic Society. Those two societies were cited many times for being a reason for the protest. They accused him of being a poor influence on youth. And again, knowing that Eastern educates teachers, that was noted quite a few times as well. And also, it was protested on political lines too. People didn't want him to speak simply because he was a leftist. And the title of my paper is What Right Has Such a Scoundrel to be Honored by a Top-Supported Institution of Learning? Student Activism, Campus, and the Community. The title is actually a direct quote from one of the letters that was sent in protest. So I initially took a look at all of these letters. I compiled them into a giant spreadsheet where I collected who sent it, who they were sending it to, the date, where it was coming from, and all of them were coming from Michigan. It gave me a good general idea of what the university's community was at the time based on where the letters were coming from. So it, knowing that this is also geographic data, I took the time to map it out on ArcGIS. So I have a map of all of these showing the spread of the university's community in 1971. Why do you think EMU asked him to speak just from what I know of the like, 1969 protests? President Spomberg wasn't all that worried about issues with Black students at EMU, so it kind of seems like a big shift to then have such a big civil rights leader speak at a commencement. So everything in the archives revolving around the decisions for the faculty on who making the decision is completely missing from the archives. So there, you can find things in the archives for the year surrounding this decision, but not for the year of this decision. So I found that to be interesting that this information was not included in the archive. But also the protests in the years before showed a shift in the university's thinking overall. 
in the student body and the attitudes. So I think the shift to allow him to speak was really a culmination of all of those on top of the death of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I think that really had national repercussions and had some influence on this. Did the university respond to such an influx of letters? It did. It sent out a blanket stock response to all of them that it was just stated that it made the decisions based on his qualifications as a noted speaker and educator and things like that. So it wasn't, it was a very watered down political response. So he actually did end up speaking. Yes, he did actually end up speaking. Shelby explained that due to protesting on campus years prior, a lot of the letters sent to Eastern objecting to Julian Bond as commencement speaker brought up concerns that there would be further protests and even potential riots with encouragement from Bond. So in 1969 was when 100 students barricaded themselves inside Pierce Hall and when the, that's when the police had to come make arrests on campus and that made headlines locally and nationally. And in 1970 as well, students also protested. In, in this protest, about 2,000 people flooded the street at Forest in protest of the Kent State killings at Ohio. The Kent State killing she's referring to is the shooting that took place on Kent State's campus May 4th of 1970. Four students were killed and nine injured after the National Guard opened fire on students peacefully protesting the Vietnam War. The 70 protest just was focused on because it led into the tensions that were part of why people were sending the letters because they were fearing protests in that scale. Another factor that was playing into this were the riots in Detroit that happened just a few years earlier because Detroit is also very connected to Eastern and people were also fearing riots of that scale. So the protests were sparking fears of a potential riot. In Bond's speech, he actually cited protesting students and encouraged it as well. I think that the paper just overall, it gave a good idea of what people were thinking in Michigan at the time, not just people who were going to the university, but people who had kids who were going there or had graduated from their years past, people who just knew people who went there, people who just loved the university and just cared about it. And I gave it a good idea of where in the state that the university has those connections. I wanted to show that you Eastern isn't just a bubble watching everything happen around us. You know, even though U of M is right next to us, big things happen there sometimes. Things happen at Eastern too. You know, we, we do things that can get the attention of the nation. Thank you so much to Shelby for taking the time to speak with me. If you're interested in reading Shelby's abstract and learning more about Eastern's undergraduate symposium, visit emish.edu forward slash symposium. To listen to more episodes of our podcast, visit easternecho.com. The podcast can be reached via email at podcast.easternecho.com. This podcast was written by me, Kylie Gilligan, and produced by Lauren Smith and Ronia Isabel Kvansag. I would also like to thank Amy Berenger for all her help with this series. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to the Eastern Echo podcast so you never miss an episode.